Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest grew up in a Catholic home, but it had no influence on his life whatsoever. In his teen years, Adam Rieger stopped going to church. He became an atheist and began listening to death metal music. He eventually graduated from high school and decided that he'd love to travel the world. That then led him to try out hitchhiking, which he quickly became hooked to. Throughout all of this, though, he felt as though something was missing in his life. It wasn't until a few years back that he actually figured out what that was. Adam is now a Catholic seminarian studying for the priesthood. Today on Connections, he'll help us understand how he went from an atheist listening to death metal music to a Catholic seminarian studying for the priesthood. Our guest today is Adam Rieger. He is a Catholic seminarian studying for the priesthood, but his journey to this point has been very interesting. You grew up in a Catholic home, but uh, you had a little bit of a path and a journey along the way. Tell us from the beginning uh, where things started. Sure. So we, um, so the our Catholic faith was something that was it was part of our lives. Like we. We went to church on Sunday, but um, in a lot of ways, it kind of stopped there. Like we, my parents taught me good values, of course, and I try to be polite. But like we didn't talk about Jesus at home or about the church or about God that often. And so um, it was there, but it wasn't really profound or didn't have a meaningful impact. And so I know by the time I was say I'm going to say 15, um, I ended up leaving the church, and so. I got a job, and I had an excuse not to be at church on Sunday, and I was more than happy to use that excuse, and it just kind of fell out of my life. Like, I I had no no real reason to keep it there, I guess. Um, and so I guess you can say as a, as a young child, I was very, always very social, very active, very um, outgoing. It's probably the best way, but I'd also say I was, I was also pretty uh, unsettled in some ways, you know, and just... Like always looking to other people for for fulfillment, for satisfaction, for um, yeah, just for, huh. that, for that meaning in my life. So you knew something was missing, but you could just never put your finger on it. Yeah, and in, in those days, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't have seen like I wouldn't have looked at it as being like oh I need something to fulfill me. You know, it was just kind of like just this gut instinct. Like it was. Um, always just looking to others for approval and, and not really analyzing that or, or criticizing it, I guess. So you uh, eventually came, became an atheist and you set out and traveled and became uh, an, an outdoorsy type person. Tell us a little bit about that time of your life. Yeah, that was that was really the awakening for me. So in, in high school, I was kind of, I kind of started to become more and more bitter with um, I think as I was looking so much to other people, and then uh, high school, as as we all probably have experienced in one way or another, can be a little rough as far as the social uh, ladder is concerned. And so, um, one, I decided to travel, just kind of on a whim, almost honestly. And in high school, I was kind of into death metal, and I was playing in bands, and I was really just kind of like anti-establishment, like like screw the man kind of thing. And um, and of course, the church was a was a huge target of my of my anger, and honestly, I can't even tell you why. And um, so I started traveling, and all of a sudden, you know, I kind of got ripped out of that world because there's not that many death metal heads like bumming around in Thailand, you know? Like, it's, not, <laughs> it's not something you see that often. 
And so all of a sudden, the, my perception of the world just exploded because um, before that, all I had known was, you know, my friends in high school and partying and, and music. And so all of a sudden, I was meeting, like, you know, these poor farmers or kids living on the street or people selling clothing and food and, and then travelers from all over the world. And so um, during those years, and I also went to Australia, and I just started kind of like reading poetry and reading books and kind of discovering the self-help world, you know, and, and um, so all this stuff is exploding and I'm starting to look deeper, like where, where am I really finding fulfillment, you know, and how, how am I going to do that? You enjoyed traveling and uh, started to hitchhike. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, so that's, um, for me, that was the, the pinnacle of adventure. Uh, I loved traveling. When I, when I got back, I was just um, infatuated with it. And so I kept thinking, I got to keep traveling. I got to keep traveling. And so I'm reading online and I started reading about hitchhiking. And, you know, it seemed pretty easy, actually. Like, I was reading these little, like, guides about how to get out of a city and stuff like that. And so, uh, for me, it was like, it was a win-win because you have lots of adventure. You get to meet people, uh, and it didn't cost any money. And these, these two things really appealed to me. So That does sound like adventure to me. That sounds scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's also what my mother would have said. <laughs> huh. And I guess I've always had, like, um, a little... My personality is all or nothing, you know? Like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do something, like, I'm really gonna do it. And so hitchhiking seemed like the kind of the answer. And so it was amazing, like, because you... All of a sudden, you're just out in the world, and you're you're quite vulnerable, as, as people know. And... But again and again, people come to your aid, you know? Like, you... I need a ride somewhere, I need food, I need water, um, all of these things. And it's, it's incredible. Like, just people, total strangers, they'll pull over and they'll, they'll pick you up and they'll take you a few hours down the road, they'll share their life story with you, and they'll, you know, they'll buy you lunch and stuff like that. And, and so I think for me, traveling in the beginning, it was this discovery of humanity. Like, it was the, the discovery that there's all these people in the world that are, that are just like myself. Um, and they're searching for the same things that I'm searching for. And when you're hitchhiking, you just get thrust into people's lives because all of a sudden, you know, this Joe Blow who's driving six hours to go to a, a job site or something, uh, and you get a window into his life. And so you jump in the car and you're chatting and he's, you know, he's going through a divorce and his, and his kids are, you know, don't want to see him. And you just kind of, you get this opportunity to really explore other people's lives. And so my, my curiosity towards other people started growing, and it's this kind of this outward gaze that, that begins in my life um, because of, of that hitchhiking those adventures. So how does a death metal hitchhiking across the world young person end up? You are now a Catholic seminarian, is that correct? You're studying that- for the priesthood? That's right, yeah. How does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) What happened? I'm thinking Jesus is in there somewhere, but what exactly happened? (laughs) You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's the burning question on everyone's mind. (laughs) (laughs) I have uh, lots and lots of um, grandmothers. I'm currently on an internship in Red Deer, um, and I have all these grandmothers. They watch my video, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Like I send this to all my grandkids. 
that I hope it influences them. Yeah. Um, and they want their kids to come back to church, you know. And, and so for me, it was um, in this search for fulfillment, and I'm starting to get more conscious about about looking for that. Uh, I came across a book called the Tao Te Ching, which is like Chinese philosophy, and um, it talks a lot about humility over and over again. And I had no idea, zero idea, what humility was or how you achieved it. But I thought, for volunteering, just came into my mind. I thought, if you do work and you don't get paid, that's got to be humble. Like, I, <laughs> I yeah. don't know what it is, <laughs> but that's going to help. So uh, I ended up finding the Marion Center. And uh, the Marion Center is run by a community called Madonna House. And they're a Catholic lay community. And so they have people who, it's kind of like a religious community. They have people who are kind of stay for their lives, um, and they're celibate. And they move around from house to house, because they have houses all over the world in um, dozens, maybe a couple dozen countries. I'm not up on my, on my facts there. But, and so I could see that they were, like they had this loving presence that was, uh, was beautiful. It was just intoxicating. And in those days, too, I started meditating a lot. And in meditation, that's what really changed things for me. Like, I, I started meditation because I, I thought it would make me more spontaneous and more funny and kind of better to interact with other people. Um, but I found peace. And it was the first time in my life when I had felt true peace. And it was kind of at that moment when I realized that I had been looking in all the wrong places mm. for, for this fulfillment. And the more that I meditated, the more that I, I realized I was entering into some kind of relationship that, that me and what I would have called at that time just kind of like this presence or like the creator or the universe or something like that, that I was suddenly in touch with something and that this thing, whatever it was, um, it knew me in a sense. Like it's, it was responsible for like, for the fabric of my being, for the the way that I was, and I just knew that that was so essential. That was so important. And I started devoting huge amounts of time to to prayer, basically. And so to go back to the Marion Center, I could see that these guys they had it. They had the thing that I was I was connecting to, you know. Yeah. And but at the same time. I, I couldn't get the religious thing. I was like, man, these guys, they they love the church. And, I mean, the church just tries to control people, and it's not, you know, it's not good for people. And I couldn't understand the connection there. So God just kept kind of pushing me and nudging me. And uh, eventually one day I, I decided to ask if I could live with them. And so they, they accepted. They said yes. And it was in living their lifestyle, and so they would, um, because they're a Catholic community, they have uh, morning prayer, which is kind of reciting the Psalms and a few readings, uh, followed by the Mass, So, and they would receive the Eucharist, and they had, um, like a priest lived with them, so they could go to confession on a regular basis, and little by little I started participating in all these things, you know, and uh, I started to see that it was the, the sacramental life, like these, the Eucharist and confession that was, it was transforming their lives. Like it was, it was changing them and kind of solidifying that relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so I guess just to like, for, for me, I could never, 
like make that leap to to believe in Christ, and that was really difficult for me. And it, honestly, it was just it happened in prayer. One day I was um, every so usually one day a week they'll spend entirely in prayer, and so that's what I was doing as well. And one day I was just overwhelmed with this this sensation and this feeling of love. And no matter what I thought about during that time, uh, I just experienced total love for it. And that was the first time in my life where I thought of Christ, and I was like, man, I love that guy. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It was just such a powerful experience. And honestly, from that moment forwards, um, I've I've believed in Christ, and I've loved Him and, and experienced His love, you know? There's one point in there where you hitchhike to um, a church to talk to a priest, and you confess that you still have mistrust in the church, but the priest comes back at you and says, well, the church is like your mother, and you you need to love your mother. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, that was... Like, there's so many elements of my journey that I have a hard time explaining, and why I felt called to to confess that I didn't trust in the Church, um, I don't quite understand. And I, I mean, for me, it's the working of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and that guidance. And so the community realized that I, I was kind of like this fiery and passionate guy, um, and I had all these ideas, and I was <laughs> all over the place, you know. And um, So I think they realized I needed some, some kind of spiritual guidance, because uh, as you probably know, in the spiritual life, there are pitfalls, and um, we, we have to be careful, is all. And so... So they recommend this priest, so I hitchhike up to uh, Beaver Lodge, and I'm chatting with this guy, and I spent a few days there, and he's running kind of like a monastery. It's like a one-man monastery he's got going on. And so there's this kind of rich prayer life. And then, so he's Ukrainian Catholic, which um, in in the Ukrainian Catholic tradition, there's, like, the, the Mass is really, everything is sung, and there's lots of incense, and it's, it's mm-hmm. got this kind of ornate beauty to it. Um, and so I'm just getting like immersed in this, in this rich prayer life. And, uh, so I decided to, to go to confession. I'm kind of like getting deeper and deeper into, into my faith. And, and yeah, he just, he was really simple about it, you know, and, and really kind of like gentle, you know, he was just like, so I tell him, you know, I, I don't trust in the church. Like I can't, like I just see this, this human organization that, that again, that's just trying to manipulate people that's full of, kind of like greed and avarice, like the things you read in the newspapers. And, and yeah, he just brought it to a human level. He's like, it's the, the church is the bride of Christ, you know? And so he says, Adam, the church is your mother. You should trust your mother. And in, in the same way that I fell in love with Christ, uh, there was just this breaking point where all of a sudden it was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, it, it just something clicked. That's really, really powerful, actually, because so many people that no longer have faith but did at one point, I think a lot of them, it, I often hear, we're letting the behavior of others turn us away from Jesus, right? We're letting people within yeah. the church turn us away from Jesus. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's so true, and that's that's the mystery of the church, you know, is the that God allows broken humanity to mm-hmm. participate in in the body of Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so true. What do you say to people that are searching for something, but they don't know what they're searching for? Well, first and foremost, I would say, 
100% prayer, you know, to enter into that conversation with Christ, to to deepen that trust, because if we have that, if, if we can start that conversation, then Christ is able to, to guide us. And where he guides us is, is a mystery. Um, but without that initial trust, it's so hard to kind of, to kind of start seeing the beauty of things and to see where, where Christ actually is, where he might not have been expected beforehand. Do you have a vehicle yet, or are you still hitchhiking everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I have a vehicle, and I'm trying to fix it myself, so I'm, I'm praying that I still have a vehicle. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you are a skilled hitchhiker, so if your car breaks down, you've got somewhere to go. That's right. <laughs> I, got, I got options. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about where you're at now and what you're doing, and then where that will eventually lead you. Sure, absolutely. So um, this is the seventh year of my priestly formation. Uh, so up until now, I've done mostly just schooling, um, theology and philosophy. Uh, and so now I'm living in Red Deer. So the school that I go to mainly is called St. Joseph's Seminary, and that's stationed in Edmonton. Um, and so now I'm in Red Deer doing an internship at St. Mary's Parish, and that involves just, it's called a pastoral internship. So the idea is that I, I'm in the church every day, and just observing, experiencing, and socializing with people, and kind of trying to enter into people's lives to, to help, to have them guide me, and to, mm-hmm. if I can offer any assistance myself. And just getting used to, you know, what does it mean to be a priest, and what challenges does that uh, throw against us? And um, am I able to balance a social life and a prayer life? I think that's... Because now today there's, there is a shortage of priests, and so um, we're busy. <laughs> it's, well, I shouldn't say we, because I'm not a priest yet, but uh, priests are very busy right now because there's, there's just not enough. And so lots of work to go around. And so I think a big question is, how do you, how do you balance... Um, being with the people and all the, the liturgical life that we have, but also cutting out time for God and for getting close to, to Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today, Adam. Remember, if you want to listen to the full episodes, you can do that by listening to your radio station once in the morning as well as in the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastfield.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast. But don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.